Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back to Fragmenters, everyone. I am just so excited with the numbers increasing of all the women that are listening. We today have Shahara, and she is an award-winning author of the book From Entrepreneur to CEO, How to Position Your Business to Accelerate Growth, which is now on my Amazon wish list. She is a CEO, a business law attorney, and an international speaker. So she is just as busy as I am, I think, if not more. <laughs> Hi, Shahara. How are you doing today? Hi, Dina. Thank you so much for having me. I am great. So how did you get into law? What what inspired you? Oh, my goodness. So I think a lot of young women have this tale happen to them. So my mom felt that I liked to argue too much and was really bossy. And she was like, <laughs> you should be a lawyer. And for whatever reason, that stuck. And so at the tender age of eight, I really made the decision that I was going to be a lawyer. And that that was that. Oh, wow. That you were just like, okay, that's it. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> I like to... I like to point out that bossy thing. We're told that we're bossy all the time. Like it's negative when we're kids, but it's really, if you think about it, just a show of a leader at a young age. Yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, and I think, you know, we just don't know because, and especially for women, that we don't know how to harness it. You know what I'm saying? We, mm-hmm. we, it, it becomes this negative thing because we're telling people what to do, but no one ever people just say stop being bossy but they don't really tell you this is how you should learn how to speak to people you know this is the way you should you know be able to do it and if there were some leadership qualities that you can instill you know what I'm saying when we get older we wouldn't have to be fumbling around so much in our professionals trying to figure out how to communicate better because we would have learned that you know in our young bossy years right how to <laughs> communicate better as a leader to make people feel and want to do that then I think we would be struggling less so I totally uh, agree with you if those are leadership qualities and it just gets turned into something negative especially when it comes to, to females Yep. And that's why us bossy bitches are on this podcast right now. Like it's actually, it's actually okay to be bossy. Let's harness that and use it for good. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were eight years old, decided that you're going to be a lawyer. What next? What was this process? You know, it really was just knowing, um, I, I knew I needed to go to college. Obviously, when I was in high school, there was like some young lawyers club and that I would go to like, I, I don't know, like once or twice a month or something like that, um, that I got involved in. My mom had a friend who was a lawyer and I worked in his office, you know, for about a year. So just to kind of get the feel of an office, he was solo, but you know, he became one of a really good friend and mentor to me, still is to this day. So when I went to law school, you know, like a lot of lawyers who don't like math, I <laughs> am one of those people that don't like math. I found, you know, sociology. I like to write. So I majored in that, you know, and just knew the whole time that I was going to law school. So like I knew that that was my end goal, so to speak, was that was to get to get into law school. I think my issue, which I think I struggled with once I got to law school was the what's next, because I already knew that I was going to law school. But when I got into law school, I didn't really have a what's next. And that, you know, was a process for me while I was there. Right. Do you mean um, what type of law that you wanted to pursue or what you were going to do with your degree? You know, a little bit of both. So when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a prosecutor. I had in my mind that I would be, you know, a criminal prosecutor. When I got to law school, I took, you know, criminal law class and I was like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And then I took a class called business entities and I loved, you know, everything about it. And my teacher was cool, but I loved the subject matter. So I knew I wanted to do something businesses, thought I really wanted to work strictly with nonprofits, which I still love to do, but then I realized it didn't really pay. So it was like a lot of little bit of that. And then when I graduated, 
I couldn't find a job, you know, I mean, honestly, I applied everywhere that I could think to apply and just didn't get anything, barely got interviews. And even when I got interviews, I didn't get return phone calls or just couldn't get in the door. So I just started my own practice and started my own practice. It was like, okay, I want to do business law, but I'm just like out here. So, I mean, everything I think, you know, if you hear, it's just kind of like me doing things without really having any structure in place or mentors in place. So that's kind of, this is just Shahara's life story, right? She just does. And so that's kind of really how it was. And so that what next really was kind of be fumbling into what's next because doors were closed and I just went here and okay this door is closed okay so I'm gonna go here and it was kind of a lot of that oh my gosh you won't take me fuck off I'm gonna make my own (laughs) yeah I mean I mean like I'm not gonna sit here and start right I have a law degree I'm licensed you know I passed the bar so I'm licensed to practice so then you know I could start my own practice it never occurred to me that that was not something that people did like you know what I mean like it was just like obviously I have my license can't get hired anyway where I can just start practicing and and I think that helped because I had worked for a solo I knew a couple of other solos so because I knew people who were practicing on their own and weren't with the firm it was not a foreign concept to me right so this is I'm just inspired by you you have it seems like from eight years old you're like I'm gonna be a lawyer and I don't give a shit I'm a woman I'm a minority I don't care I can do that your mom or your you know family unit must have been super strong you know yeah I mean I was raised by a single mom and I just saw her just do And so Mm -hmm. I think because I saw her just do, it never occurred to me that that's not normal. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's only now when people say something like that, like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. To me, that was just normal everyday things. Like it never seemed something to me that was out of the ordinary because I saw my mom just do whenever she wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she started, she worked for the internal revenue service. She had a full-time job, but she wanted to do wedding coordinators. So she started doing wedding businesses and I would help her set up her, you know, she started her wedding coordinating businesses and she was doing weddings. She did gift wrapping and she did, you know, all these different things, you know, entrepreneurial things that she wanted to do. I didn't realize until later the impact that had on me, but you know, when she said she wanted to do it, she just did it. So that was ingrained to me that if you want to do it, just do it. Like, what are you like waiting for permission or answers or whatever else? Just go figure it out and do it because that's the kind of environment that I I grew up in. That's awesome. And that's the environment I want to push out there to everyone. (laughs) That's a, that's definitely a, a me now thing. I didn't have that growing up. So I needed therapy and now that's me. (laughs) What made you decide to write a book? You know, it really was because one of my, I wanted to do it. I thought about it, didn't know what I was going to write. My office mate, who's a family law attorney, she wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I keep saying I want to write a book. And one day, I don't even know what I was going to write about. And then one day I, I decided, you know, I was kind of tired of practicing law. I didn't want to do it anymore. There was other things I wanted to do. And I really wanted to work with, I still wanted to work with small businesses, but I wanted to work with them in management and talking about how to manage their, their back office and like, you know, strategies and processes and all that kind of stuff. So I went to a coach and we really kind of talked about what that process looked like for me, what I thought those things were. And so we kind of came up with things. So when I decided that I wanted to write a book, it was really kind of like, I knew that I wanted to write a book. I just never knew what that book would be. And so it took a little process to get to what that was. That's how um, From Entrepreneur to CEO really was, because it really was kind of what I had been seeing as a business law attorney, working with small business owners about decisions that they were making or how they were managing their business, how things were impacting them that created a legal situation, where the legal situation really was kind of started from for lack of a better word, bad management. Um, And that poor management, however, it manifested into a a legal situation that became problematic, which could have been fixed had we gotten to it early enough. Right. Well, and I, 
I'm excited about your perspective because you're looking at it as not only a lawyer who has been in the courts helping defend them, but also as an entrepreneur who has built her own business. So you have both sides of it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not just that, but I think I had an innate quality, which I didn't understand, you know, kind of going back to that bossiness that we talked about when I was young, (laughs) right? This innate uh, ability to organize, administrative, to really kind of see things in a very linear place where a lot of my clients were visionaries, great people in terms of their businesses. I mean, they built really good businesses, but they didn't understand process. You know, their brains didn't work Mm -hmm. that way and mine did. And so I, I saw that kind of synergy and being able to say, hey, this is side is really great. You're selling a lot of business, you know, a lot of widgets or services and you're making millions of dollars, but the back office is crap and, you know, we're going to have problems mm-hmm. and not, and being able to come in and be able to take all of that crazy and put it into a system and being able to say, this is how it needs to be. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much of that was a resource because it was something again, natural to me, but it was very unnatural to my clients. One of the pieces of advice that I give kids a lot, my kids, and then, you know, they bring home their friends and stragglers and I got a bunch of strays is uh, if you think it's common sense, you're wrong. (laughs) That's one thing that took me a lot of years to figure out. And actually being with my current partner, he is very clean and meticulous and I am the visionary as you called it. So He'll be like, why are you doing it this way? And if you did it like this, it'd take, you know, a quarter of the time. And I'm like, right. it's just, I've never seen it that way. He's like, how, right. how do you not? I'm like, because if you think it's common sense, it's really not. It's just common right. sense to you. What's that saying? Common sense isn't common. You know, like it's, it's oh, yeah. definitely different for everybody. And, and you know, um, seeing how different people's brains work and what they look like, they're kind of all over the place. You know, one of my friends kind of is like all over the place and has all these different projects. And in his mind, it, it's fine. Like it makes sense. But in my mind, I'm having hyperventilations because we haven't finished, <laughs> you know, this project and we've got 13 open projects. And I'm like, we're starting another one. We haven't finished this one, you know, and I'm freaking out. So, I mean, obviously I think you need that balance in any business that you have to kind of balance that vision with operational minds to make one solid, you know, business. So do you, you wrote the book on it, but do you go in and like audit people and help them with their businesses? Can someone hire you to help them with their back office stuff? I'm just curious. Sure. I mean, I don't do audits. Um, I think it's a lot more formal process than I actually do. So really what I do is a lot of strategic planning. So really when the people, my clients come to me, talk about all that's going on, you know, what's all going on, what's all happening, what, what do we need to look at? And, you know, I probably will start with a couple of areas and saying, okay, these are the areas that we need to focus on, right? This is the biggest issue that we're dealing with. We need to start here. This is number two. This is number three. This is number four, you know, and kind of go then the list. Now I, I have found, because I personally would love to spend like six or seven hours sitting down and writing through that out, but my clients don't seem to care to do that. Um, (laughs) So so we'll probably just spend about an hour going through those things. And then Mm -hmm. I will go back and organize it for myself and say, okay, these things that need to be done. So then I'm constantly saying, okay, here's one, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to get done first. And, or I do it for my clients and I find that that works better because what I used to do is like, we'd sit down, we go through all this stuff. And then again, my visionaries, they just weren't going to keep all of that, you know, Mm -hmm. going like if I, it just wasn't going to happen. So I've just found a new way to do that. So to really help with that strategy portion and what process needs to be in place and who needs to be there and kind of slowly implement it over time so that it doesn't become overwhelming. And is that through contracts done right? Um, no, that's that through a the right firm. Yeah, that's through, oh. um, through my law practice. So really, I act as general counsel for my clients. And really, that just means that I'm the legal department for, for them. And really, what I do 
is, you know, handle a lot of that stuff. So it, it ends up being more than just legal, right? Um, more than just the legal stuff. A lot of the stuff also includes the management of how certain things happen. So a lot of times my clients, um, you know, they may not have a CPA, they may not have an insurance person, they may not have such and such. And I manage all of that to make sure we have the right people in place to have these conversations, to do the things that's, that are necessary. So that's just kind of part of the general counsel service that I do. Contracts done right is really kind of just a, a, a template shop um, where we have legal contracts and business templates um, that people can purchase and utilize on their own that they're drafted, but they're, they're templates that you can kind of plug and play with those. Oh, that would be so awesome because all of these things that you have to do when starting a small business, because I'm a kind of like you, I saw a need and was like, okay, I'm going to start up this business. And I had no fucking clue what I was doing <laughs> and trying to learn all the legal jargon and all of the forms that you have to turn in and you have to talk to the city and blah, blah, blah. It, that sounds like a great place contracts done right to look for a little plug and play to help you on that journey. Yes, definitely. And, you know, and I think, you know, for me, being having practiced for 23 years and doing this for a really long time, you know, I can accept that, you know, my fees are not prime for micro businesses and smaller businesses and, and having to do custom contracts is time consuming and costly, you know, for some people Um, and that to need something that is less expensive than having a custom drafted contract really makes a lot of sense for clients. I think also there's just a lot of obviously out there that people can download and get for free and whatever else, but they're terrible contracts. And then, you know, people will want me to come and review this. And I'm like, I, it's too bad for me to even review. Like it's just a garbage. So let's just throw it away and start over. Um, so, you know, there had to be some kind of in between, between a customly drafted contract and the worst contract that could possibly be, you could possibly have. There's there's something in between (laughs) that. And that's kind of where, you know, contracts done right came from. That's awesome. That's very, very inventive. You found that little niche that wasn't being, uh, wasn't being fulfilled. Yeah. So what's been your biggest obstacle in this whole journey, trying to figure out where you were going, what to do, all of that? You know, I I think now that I look back onto it, I think it's part of what we talked about is just like, I just did. And I really didn't have any mentors or anybody to kind of show me the way I kind of like fumbled my way through it all. And so I think, you know, now that I have a business coach and now that I have some things in place, I think, man, had I known or understood or, you know, had any of this stuff previously, it may have helped my journey a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, helped me along the journey a little bit more. But also, I think, too, the knowledge that I have now helps me when I'm working with my coach to be much more clear minded about what I'm trying to do. Because so it's kind of like, you know, I had trial by fire. I wish I didn't have trial by fire, but the trial by fire definitely put me in a position now that when I have conversations with my coach, I'm not, I'm very clear about mm-hmm. what we need to do. And it doesn't take as much time to get things accomplished. Yeah. So it was just kind of, a pain in the ass, but that's because life has to be a pain in the ass for us to learn. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I think I, I was telling a friend, like, when you know better, you do better, right? Like if, if mm-hmm. I, I think just at the time that I came out of law school and the type of work that I wanted to do, there were very few females that were doing what I was doing. There are very few black females that were doing what I was doing. And the ones that I knew we're all either working for firms or working for in-house for corporations. And so I didn't have that in terms of the type of work that I wanted to do and be a solo because all the solos that I knew, meaning solo attorneys, they didn't have partners or they weren't in a firm, just for those wondering why I keep using that term. Um, <laughs> it, it, they were doing family law or criminal law, maybe personal injury, but they weren't doing business law. So I didn't have anybody to really kind of show me like how to do this type of work in this solo position. There really wasn't anybody out there. Now there there are a lot more, but that Mm -hmm. wasn't the case when I started. So in a way, there really wasn't any mentorship to be had 
because there was nobody to mentor me, you know, in that aspect. And now it's it's changed a bit, obviously, from, from 23 years ago. But I think sometimes, you know, you're the only one because you're the only one. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, you just, you, that's just the way it is. And that's what it was for me. Well, and for things to change, one person has to do it. And sometimes you have to be that one person. <laughs> But yes. now you're out here mentoring everyone else so they can hear. I mean, you're not just being quiet. You're a speaker. You wrote a book. You're out there getting the message out, which I adore. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. I mean, I, I'm an introvert. You may not be able to tell right now, but I, I definitely <laughs> am. And I normally don't tell my story. And I normally don't like let anybody know anything about me or what's going on. Um, and that's one of the things too, you know, having a business coach has helped me with is saying you got to tell the story. You have to tell people what you've done because in my mind, like I said before, it was just normal. Like this is mm-hmm. just what people do. It never occurred to me that it was not something that everybody did because I always assumed that if you said you wanted to do X, you would just go do X. And that that's not how everybody was. Um, and so, you know, being able to say, hey, this is what I did. This is my story. This is the way that I was raised, being a single mom myself, raising two boys, trying to have a full-time business and a practice and, you know, learning how to be a lawyer and all of those things that were going on with me, that that's something that people needed to hear. And so, you know, (laughs) now that I've accepted that, you know, it makes it easier to tell the story. Yeah, that's, I'm impressed. (laughs) I'll say I'm impressed. (laughs) It's a, you going to write another book, a more personal one now? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I like. I feel like I I had the book bug. I did the book, and like now the bug is gone. So I probably do like some more ebooks. I do like the ebook format mm-hmm. because they're short and they're very specific. And I, I I kind of like that format to say that this is about this and this is about that one and this like short ebook content because I'm very heavy content person. I just. I like that where a lot of content is coming to me. And so I'm a heavy content person. And so I find that sometimes my writing can be, uh, it's quite technical, but it also can be kind of overbearing for the average person because it's so much. So I think, you know, maybe keeping in that ebook format where maybe it's like 20 pages and, you know, then we move on to something else. It works. Nice. How'd you get into speaking? So, yeah, I I have been speaking for a while. I mean, obviously, part of it was to sell my services as an attorney. And so I did a lot of presentations and trainings and stuff like that. I've always done those. But to be more on a bigger stage and to do podcasts and things like that, that was kind of where when I wanted to quit the practice of law, you guys can see that I actually did not quit the practice of law, but I had this dream of quitting. (laughs) that didn't actually come to fruition. Speaking, you know, I wanted to be this paid public speaker. And so that's really kind of what got me to write the book, what got me into seeking out a coach because it was something that I obviously wasn't familiar with. Mm -hmm. But I found through that, that what I liked is I really liked training. I really liked training small Uh business owners on business management. You know, I do trainings on business model canvas, um, strategic planning. Um, Also, you know, do a lot of stuff on legal issues as well. But I like the training aspect of that because I feel like showing somebody how to do something and telling them the process and showing like how those things work, that kind of resonated with me a lot. So that's really kind of that that spark going around and speaking, realizing, yeah, I don't like these 10 minute speeches or 15 minute speeches. Like I really want to go in depth um, with things and, and find that. So now I do a lot more training in, in the small business realm as well. So you like being the, uh, the authoritative voice on something. Yes. Go get AKA right? bossy. <laughs> AKA bossy. Surprise. Yes, yes, yes. I like it. I like it. At least you're consistent. (laughs) (laughs) And that aspect, I very much am. (laughs) So you mentioned you had two boys and you're a single mom. How was rearing children during your entire process? How did that affect you? 
So I had my eldest while I was in law school, my second year in law school. Um, and then I got married later on and then had my second son. So my kids are 11 years apart. And then oh, wow. so I was married for eight years and then got divorced. So, you know, um, it's kind of been that process. So I've told this story plenty of times. So if you guys ever heard me speak, you probably have heard this. But when I first got licensed as an attorney, you have to take what we call continuing legal education. And there's like as a new attorney, there's certain continuing education that you had to take. And so I took this one that was hosted by this law firm and this attorney, very prominent attorney at the time, black male came to speak. And I don't even remember what else happened at the CLE. I'm just going to be honest. This is the only thing I remember that, <laughs> that happened at the CLE. But he had a case, he talked about his relationship with his son and one of his regrets was not spending time with his son and that he and his son, you know, took a, had a lot of angst, so to speak, and, and issues mm-hmm. his son got older because his son said that he was never there. And so that, that speech really like stuck with me because at the time when I got licensed, my, so when I graduated from law school, my son was like a not quite a year and a half, but almost like a little bit over a year. And and so when I got licensed, he was like a year and a half. And um, I was like, I don't, I don't want that kind of relationship with my son. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to wake up one day and he's 20 and he's like, why weren't you ever there for me? Like I, that, I didn't want that. So in that, I think I probably took it a little bit extreme, but it was very much my priority to be available for my son. And so as I worked having to take my son to school, pick him up, be part of the PTO. As he got older, he was playing soccer. And if anybody has ever been a soccer mom, you know how time intensive. Um, yep, <laughs> I have one that does soccer, soccer and hockey. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so yep. time. And when they play, decide to play select and upper level, it's like you have no life. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that was that. But I wanted to be present for him. So, and I was, and I do feel like to my own credit, if I'm going to toot my own horn, that I was very present uh, with my my eldest son as he was growing up because my whole law career, obviously, he was being toted along with me. Mm-hmm. But that the side note to that was that it stagnated my business because I really couldn't dedicate a significant amount of time to my business. Now, mm-hmm. I don't regret that. That was a choice that I made. I knew that that was going to be something that happened, but I don't, I didn't think I understood the impact that that would be long-term. Whereas now my youngest is, is now 14, 13. He'll be 14 this year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, as, and I'm like approaching 50 almost. That I'm like, there's different things that I want, things that I didn't do or didn't pursue because I was worried about the being available for my kid that now I can do things in a different way. I mean, I've just been having this conversations with some friends and colleagues that, you know, I'm realizing now that I can make different choices and still have the same impact. I can still be available for my son and have a cook, have a maid, you know, Mm -hmm. have somebody, you know, a tutor to help my son with, you know, his stuff, or I still do drop off, but I don't pick up, you know, and, and, you know, I can, I can still do that. We can still have a good relationship. Whereas when my eldest son was young, I didn't, I thought I had to do everything. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that I don't have to do everything. And that has been really freeing for me as, as a mother and as a woman, because I know we feel so much guilt around being available for our kids that it's okay. And that's a lesson I'm like, I'm still learning, but I think in the last year, heck, you know, even last week, I was like, I don't know why I'm doing all this stuff myself. I don't know why I'm stressing myself out because I'm not pursuing my dreams and the things that I want to, which is making me frustrated, which I end up taking out on my kid because I'm frustrated. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even make any sense. So, I mean, there's just things that I've changed in my personal life just to say, you know what? I don't want to cook anymore. Don't want to do it. So I hired somebody to do meal meal prep. Okay. I hate cleaning. I'm sorry. I'm not domestic. Um, Let me just say somebody (laughs) to to clean the house, you know, every once in a while and come clean up the house. Got a tutor, you know, those kinds of things. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, why did I not do this earlier? And my kid does not hate me because I don't cook every day, you know, and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a super 
hard balance. And first you got to shake off that conditioning that we're supposed to run a business like we're single and run our kids <laughs> like we're stay-at-home moms. Yeah, yeah, it's it's impossible. And I think, you know, society has just made us women believe that we have to do all of those things and that's ourselves by ourselves and that's just not true and you know we we definitely have to rid ourselves of that guilt and be around other moms who have help and have accepted help to see that it's okay and they and, and see that you're not a terrible mom because I think television has made us think that the kids that are raised by nannies never see their parents ever you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying and that's not necessarily true either yeah it's so hard because when when I really when I started figuring this out realizing the damage I was doing to my kids when I was only investing in them I completely mm-hmm. lost myself mm-hmm. so they're looking up to me and they're seeing oh, don't care about yourself, only care about your loved ones. And when I realized that was actually what I was portraying, I was like, holy shit, this is not what I want for my kids. (laughs) Like, I love being there and seeing everything and witnessing it. But in doing that, I'm not pursuing anything for myself. And therefore, I'm not showing them what I want to instill in them with it, which is this work ethic. And I love to help people, which obviously I invested in them for many years solely. Mm -hmm. But now that they see me pursuing things for myself and making myself happy, one, like you said, I'm not an asshole to them anymore because I'm upset. (laughs) And two, they see that I'm out here and I'm able to. So I opened up a selfie studio here in Idaho Mm -hmm. And, um, last night we had a couple of girlfriends in and I asked them, they were sitting on the floor. They looked super cute. Just looking through their pictures. All of their stuff was strewn all over the place. They had like 10 outfits they had changed into. It was adorable. So I asked them, I was like, Hey, do you mind if I take a picture of you guys just hanging out here for our site? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. And because of that, we started talking. And one of them told me, she's like, so I wanted you to know the reason we're here is because I'm about to have brain surgery and they're going to have to shave my head. And I don't know what's going to happen after. And I wanted to be able to capture my femininity before it was taken from me. Wow. And I know people say it's just a selfie studio, you know, it's stupid, it's narcissistic, which I don't agree with anyway, obviously, because I built it. But knowing that those are the things that I'm bringing, that girl and her friend got to have this amazing, fun time. They had so much fun, dressed up like kids. They were grown adults and they were acting like little teens playing together and knowing that because I followed my dream. I'm able to provide that to the community. Yeah. That's the things that I want to show my kids. So I may miss a soccer or hockey game every now and again, but when they're here and they see these moments, it makes it worth it. They see the balance. Yeah. And I think it makes such a big difference. And I think that they see the possibilities and the things that, you know, that you're able to do and know that it's possible for them. I mean, like I talked about my mom, you know, she worked a full-time job, but she had her side gigs and I didn't understand at the time what impact that had on me, but it made me realize that I could do anything that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like I, when I said like, okay, I'll just start my own business. It wasn't because I just like saw starting on a business out of ways because I saw somebody that did it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize as a young child that would have that kind of impact that I would do that. Right. But because she she showed me it was possible, I knew it was possible. And I think that's the same thing with our kids. You know, as parents, we show them something is possible then it makes it, it's okay. And that you don't have to sit here and run yourself ragged and run yourself to the ground. I think the pandemic has shown us this as well, that, you know, we can have a better life for ourselves. We can choose that. And it doesn't mean that we have to do, be all the things to everybody at all times. Like we can really truly get help, but there's people in this world that love to cook. I am not one of those. There's people in this world that love to clean. I am not one of those. And I can find those people who enjoy that. (laughs) 
Yeah. And be happy and be fine. And the kids are fine and all that kind of stuff. So well, I and think, not only you know, that, yeah. but you're supporting another person who is yeah. trying to follow their dreams. Right. It's yeah. just like a win-win when you yes. think about it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. how, how uh, good is it for our kids to watch us grumpily vacuum and swear while we're cleaning when we fucking hate it? It's yes. not. Yes. Yes. And then you're mad because they didn't drop the cheese wrapper on the you know floor and you just got through cleaning and then you're like losing your mind over a cheese wrapper where, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you spent the time picking up. So absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. But once you get it, well, hopefully I've got it now. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We're always improving. Really there. It's like certain things that you have to let go of, but like we inch there. I, I think I have this dream of just like one day just waking out of bed and like everything is done for me. And like all the decision I have to make is like, you know, do I walk downstairs or do I not walk downstairs? You know, <laughs> <laughs> everything is just done, like all Cinderella, like it's just all done before I even mm-hmm. get out of bed. Yes. Nice. So do you feel it's imperative for women to work in your field? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm thankful that there's a lot more females, younger attorneys that are working in this field who are now solos, even some older women who have chosen to leave corporate or um, law practices and start their own practice. And so I've gotten a chance to, to, to meet several And so it's nice for me to be able to, and this again, personal level, just to see other women who are operating in the space that I'm operating in, who are mothers, not all of them are single, but you know, who are mothers um, who struggle with the same things that I struggle with to make decisions with and to have that camaraderie because I was in such a male dominated field, still am, you know, it's still very male dominated, but it was so male dominated that I really had no women to talk to and really didn't, didn't know that some of the things that I was, that I'm doing now was even possible. Right. Like I remember meeting this one lady long time ago, she worked at a bank. She worked at a bank, but she had four kids. You know, I I only had two. So those of you that got more than two kids and my kids are spread apart. So those of you that got multiple kids and they're close and God bless you, because I struggle with the two (laughs) that are 11 years apart. Right. I'm struggling. So she had four kids and, you know, she was married and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she had a nanny. And I was like, what? And then my office mate, she worked full time and she had a husband and she got a nanny. And I just honestly was like, what kind of, who, how, like, why is this the thing? Like, it never, I never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's weird to say now, but I really never knew anybody who hired nannies before. And so it was like mind boggling. But to be able to see women who were professional, who loved their kids to, you know, be willing to say, I need help. That to me was just mind opening. So I think, yes, it's important for women, not only just to be in a field of legal or corporate or whatever else, but I think it's important for high powered women, professional women to get together, to talk to one another, to help one another, because we are usually very isolated in our fields. And especially as entrepreneurs, we're isolated. And to be able to have camaraderie and talk and say how we are able to progress and help each other, I think just makes us better, you know, as a whole. So I, so the short answer, I went on this long tangent. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It's so good. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's important. It's important for women to be here, but it's also important for us to talk to one another. Uh, we can't be afraid to have these conversations about life and how we're able to get through and just assume that, you know, we're just kind of waking up, you know, as the princesses we are, you know, and everything's worked out. We've, we've got to put some things in place and and show other people that it's possible. Yeah, definitely. I heard, uh, I hear people call it the sister wound and that's kind of where, um, we're raised up and we're, pitted against each other. And this is from way back when, you know, you see a seat of 10 seats at the table and one of them's for a woman. Yes. So they pit against each other because there's only that one seat and working together, healing that sister wound, realizing that we 
aren't competition. And if we lock our arms together and band together, we will all grow together. So I think it's super important, like you said, for women to get together and be vulnerable and open and realize that no, we're not enemies or frenemies or whatever the fuck (laughs) society wants to call it. Right. We can actually be friends and help each other grow and help each other succeed. And it doesn't have to be this drama or jealousy filled narrative yes we can have good people and good support that are female absolutely absolutely and it's and it's more than one seat at the table and I think that that's kind of not to get on my diatribe about society and chauvinism and gender you know (laughs) classism sexism all of that kind of stuff but I mean I think it's just this oppressive society that says that we just going to dole out these little seats to certain people. And then that's what we've been conditioned to believe Mm -hmm. that we only have the select where we have only 10% of the pie when really we have a hundred percent of the pie. Um, And understanding that we have a hundred percent of the pie and fighting for access to the hundred percent. And I think that that is really what we as women need to do is help fight for access to the hundred percent not fight over the 10% that there's 90 other percent that there's an, you know, another right. 90% that we have access to. And so being able to band together to fight, to have access to the whole, as opposed to a piece. Yeah. And throwing one pebble at 90% is nothing, but when we all bind together and we're a fucking boulder, watch yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What advice would you give someone who wants to enter into your space, into you your know, workspace? You, you know, if you're you know interested in law, I, I, I obviously I'll just say the the obvious things that you want to be a good writer. I think is really important. You know, there there are some attorneys that aren't great writers, and it's not that you have to be perfect, but you're going to be doing a lot of writing in law school, so you want to kind of get to know that as well as possible. I personally think. As far as if you're going in undergrad and deciding, you know, what major to have, you don't have to do political science or anything like that. Law school is different from medical school where you can really major in anything. It doesn't really matter (laughs) what you major in. And that's one thing I, I appreciate about a profession is that whatever you're into, there's a piece of law for it. So, you know, if you're into sports and you want to do sports law, aviation law, you know, water law, if you're into mammals, there's marine law, like there's all kinds of things out there for you that you can really truly do whatever you're interested in. And so I think that that's a great thing about the law. I will just say that it's nothing like what you see on TV. Um, (laughs) It is not this cushy dream job where you, you know, sing and dance and have great arguments and monologue all day. It's, It's very competitive to say the least. Law school is very competitive. The field is very competitive. Depending upon where you go, if you're in a major city like I am, there's you really can't turn a corner without bumping into, you know, 10 different attorneys. If you're in a smaller town, obviously you're not going to have as much competition, but it's a different thing. But the field is is competitive and it's just a lot of stuff that you have to deal with. So I think as you're deciding that you want to be an attorney, just understanding that the realities of the professions isn't the same as the what's portrayed in in, the, in there and, and understanding that it is very stressful. It's a very stressful thing, no matter what you do, because I know sometimes a lot of attorneys will be like, I'm looking for something less stressful and everything comes with its level of stress. It may not be as taxing maybe for a litigator as a litigator who's in court all the time, the transactional work that I do, but it has it, its stress, its own yeah. stress. I can only imagine. <laughs> so what advice was given to you like what was the best advice that you've received so I worked in family law for a very short time Mm -hmm. and the attorney I worked for she was a solo she told me make sure you get paid and I honestly, I was young, you know what I'm saying? I was just out of law school. I think I had been licensed for maybe nine months or so like that. I worked for her for, for a couple of months. 
I didn't really understand the power of that. Although I did, I did remember what she said, but I didn't understand the power of that. And as I grew my practice, I really understood the power of saying, make sure you get paid. Because I think, especially for women, but you know, a lot of times we say we want to help people and we want to do things. You got to get paid. You got to feed yourself. You got to feed your kids. You got to keep the lights on. If you're not getting paid, you don't have a business. And so I I think that's important that, you know, you got to make sure you get paid. And and so that just really was the best advice that I got, that I remember that, that I'm like, I make sure I get paid. And and that's, you know, the end of the day, you got to make sure. That's definitely something that I'm still learning, but we are bossy if we're loud mouthed as as girls so growing up we're pressured to be make other people comfortable and smile and be the bubbly blah 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 person and discussing money is tense yes it's always tense and getting through that so that you're able to ask for money or not only that, but not feel guilty for wanting to be paid because we're pressured to do everything as a service. We want to go out there and do a service and not take money for it. But like you said, how are we going to feed our kids if we never take money for it? So there has to be this exchange, this energy exchange, which is in our society money in order for that to happen. So trying to break through that barrier of I'm not a greedy bitch if I desire money for the hundreds of thousands of hours of work I've put into this place is right. definitely huge. So I really like that. That's yeah, good, definitely. good advice. Yeah. One of my friends said to me, she was like, you know, if it was a job, like if I'm going into my work, I, when I go to work, I expect my employer to pay me. And if they didn't pay me, I would quit that day. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you go into work, if you have a nine to five, you expect to be paid for the work you do. It's the same thing. And so I don't subscribe to the guilt around asking for payment. I know that there's times that we want to help people and people are struggling and things like that. But the truth is that it costs, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's not like there's some grant out here that I have that can cover all of your fees. Like this is something that has to be paid for. There's places you can go to get free services for some things, some things you got to pay for. And mm-hmm. I think our society, our capitalistic society ingrains us that we have to pay for things. And so I think that should be a given that you have to pay. Now, how much you pay is purely up to you. And as an attorney, like I said, there's lots of attorneys you can have paid more you can pay less you know whatever there's your choices out there but you're gonna have to pay somebody something so you know you have to be really understanding that you will have to pay yep and it's not wrong to ask for that payment (laughs) definitely not yes get paid so one of the big questions that is hard for a lot of the women that I talk to on here is what do you do for fun? Oh, that is a good question. So, you know, <laughs> I am such, like I said, I'm such an introvert. I'm usually at home most of the time. And so I'm just watching TV, reading a book or whatever else. So that's my fun. I know it's boring to most people, but I like, it's really what I do. I like to relax and have my quiet time. But, you know, I, this year, just, you know, kind of self, you know, keeping myself accountable is that I put on my calendar, at least go out at least once a month. I know that's like shocking for some people Um, once a month, you know, and have like a girl's night and hang out with friends Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like I put that on my calendar to do at least once a month. Like I will do that because, you know, especially after COVID and and the pandemic, I really wasn't interacting with anybody at all. And I was fine with it. Like it it didn't bother me, but I think it just kind of made me go back into my hole a lot more. And so kind of trying to push myself out there. So for me, fun, I love to travel. And so I just came back from vacation. I got, you know, some other places that I plan on going and doing. So like to go out to eat and hang out with my girlfriends and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm scheduling, having to force myself to schedule like time with friends and stuff like that so that I can have fun outside of the house. As right. Opposed to with Netflix and. and <laughs> <laughs> so what are you reading right now? 
so, okay, I'm weird, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm just like a complete and total nerd. So you will probably be disappointed, but it's actually a Chinese no- novel. It's it's in English. It's not in Chinese. I can't read Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, but it's a Chinese novel. It's called The Sword Dynasty. And so it's a super duper really long book, but I'm so far into it now that I'm just like, I have to finish reading. You're committed. Book. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, So yes, that's what I'm reading right now. It's like a sci-fi book, Chinese space. So yeah, that's awesome. me and my beard. So now you've gotten to know that I'm like a complete weirdo. Yes. I've been in IT for seven years or 17 years. So mm-hmm. I'm a super nerd. It <laughs> makes me feel better when I meet other super nerds. <laughs> Like I always like, you know, I'm like always tense when people ask me, what do you read? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed to tell people like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like some self-help book or, you know, something like, it's not that at all. Like, yeah, that's not what it is. <laughs> you don't, you just, I, I asked what you did for fun, not what you did for growth. So yes. that makes total sense. <laughs> Thank you. That's a very good point. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I like to uh, watch SVU while I cross-stitch. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We can't always be turned on. We can't. I mean, that yeah. is not what I meant. No, I, <laughs> we can, I understand. Yes. I got we, we have to enjoy ourselves. I mean, yes, you will want to strive to make money and make these big old changes and give to the world, et cetera, et cetera. But this is literally it. This is my right. one life. And if that means I'm going to cross stitch and watch SVU, or if that means I'm going to color in a coloring book or, you know, read a Chinese sci-fi novel that I have to enjoy what I'm doing or why the fuck am I doing it? Exactly. Yes. Indulge in whatever weirdness that you want to and and be okay with it. So yeah, absolutely. As long as it's legal. As long as it's legal. (laughs) As long as it's legal. Awesome. Well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Do you have anything you have for me? Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I always love just chatting up about life and business with other women because I think we all really understand each other from a core level. And so I I always appreciate these conversations. So thank you for allowing me to um, share with you. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out. It's been so awesome meeting you and I'm going to hang up on you and then cyber stalk you and add you on all the socials. Yeah, please do. Please. <laughs> I love it. It's all good. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Shahara. And I hope you have a really good, calm rest of your day and a fabulous weekend. Thank you. You do the same. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Money